You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. And today we are doing part three on our series, um, the Decline and Destruction of the Black Family, the Mowing Hand Report. Uh, so this particular report was published in 1964, and it uh, statistics range from the 1940s all the way up until 1963. And so the um, basis of the report is to give the state of the Black family from an economic standpoint, as well as um, from a social standing, and it also goes into some of the root issues. So um, if you have not checked out this series, uh, I highly recommend that you start with the first one. Uh, Now, I do have to put a disclaimer in here. This information is not for the faint of heart at all, okay? A lot of it is going to be very shocking, and a lot of it will be very painful. Uh, It's going to go into details regarding um, marriage, um, the percentage of marriages, that did not work, uh, the reason why the marriages did not work, it's going to go into the economics side of um, why Black people in America are in the state that they are in. And remember, this is from the standpoint of 1963. Okay, so I do want to put that disclaimer out there that this information is not a faint of heart. The reason I am going over this information is for as a collective, as Black people, that we really look at the history to understand why we are in the situation we are in today. Okay, so my hope with this particular series is that a discussion will be had among each other. Uh, So meaning, even if that means among individual families, I will uh, put a link to the report in the description. So you can, you are free to download this for your records. I'm hoping that we will have an honest conversation regarding this. So with that said, Let me bring on some technology to go into this, okay? So this is the case for national action. The Negro family, okay? And then as you can see, okay, I guess it was published in 65, I apologize. Um, Office of Policy Planning and Research, United States Department of Labor, Okay, Uh, so we're going to scroll down to uh, 
where we left off, but just to give you a view of what we went over in uh, the first two episodes, uh, we didn't go into the American Revolution. That's more from a historical standpoint and being a uh, researcher myself, that would have required me to bring in supplemental information, supplemental information to uh, really make this information more viable. And that's what this isn't about. So I chose to skip this part, but you can certainly um, read it for yourself. Okay. We started with the Negro American family. We went into uh, marriages, as you can see the titles. Whew. This one is, is a, a, all of it family is going to be, it's going to be quite shocking because remember this information is from 1940s up until 1963. So even the marriage information and the reason they were dis dissolved and what was going on with the marriages that were not dissolved, um, the illegitimate birth rates and the um, families headed by women, black women, okay? And then black families and welfare, okay? That's what we went over in number one, in part one. And you will be shocked on the statistics. So in um, part two, again, I didn't go over slavery. I didn't go over reconstruction because those are historical points of view, which would require me to bring in more supplemental information. And that is not the main point that I want to get out of this series. So you're free to go over that with your um, on your own. We went over urbanization, unemployment and poverty, the wage system, and the dimension grow. Uh, again, very, very shocking information. They literally broke down the statistics from um, being in the cities, being in the suburbs, being in the country, and they compared uh, the population of white uh, against black and uh, how both groups fared out. Um, and remember back then, you can pretty much say it was just white and black, not the way we see today with the different categories split up. But again, it was very eye-opening. And not only um, did they go give the statistical di differences, they also went over the root causes, which tied back to part one, the structure and the health of the black family. So in this particular part three, we're going to go over the pathology, okay? Get ready, y'all. Now remember, this is from 1940s up to 1963 data. They're gonna go over the matriarch, the failure of the youth, delinquency and crime, the armed forces, alienation. Okay, so let me get uh, to this. Okay. 
All right. And I'm sorry, that's uh, leftovers from the other one. Okay, so the tangible of the tangible of pathology. That the Negro American has survived at all is extraordinary. A lesser people might have simply died out. Sorry, family, just a second. Okay. <clears throat> as indeed others have. That the Negro community has not only survived, but in this political generation has entered national affairs as a moderate, uh, humane, and constructive national force is the highest testament to the healing powers of the democratic idea and the creative vitality of the Negro people. But it may not be supposed that the Negro American community has not paid a fearful price for the incredible mistreatment to which it has been subjected over the past three centuries. In essence, the Negro community has been forced into a child. Glad I got my water together, honey. Want y'all to, oh, let me make sure my mic's still on. Yes, my mic is still on. This next, this, this hits hard. This hits hard. In essence, the Negro community has been forced into a matriarchal structure, which because it is so out of line with the rest of American society, seriously, retards the progress of the group as a whole and imposes a crushing burden on the Negro male and in consequence on a great many Negro women as well. Let's keep going. There is presumably no special reason why a society in which males are dominant in family relationships is to be preferred to a matriarchal arrangement. However, it is clearly a disadvantage for a minority group to be operating on one principle while the great majority of the population and the one with the most advantages to begin with is operating in an, on another. Now, I'm going to back that up. I want to read through that again. Because this is pretty powerful stuff. There is presumably no special reason why a society in which males are dominant in a family relationship is to be preferred to a matriarchal arrangement. However, it is clearly a disadvantage for a minority group to be operating on one principle while the great majority of the population and the one with the most advantages to begin with is operating on another. So do we understand what they are saying? That the black community as a collective, now remember, 
This is back in 63. They published this report in 65. I'm assuming it probably took them one year to get it together, whatever the case may be. They are saying that black folks are at a disadvantage because the women are responsible for the families. And that makes it at a disadvantage because the way the societal structure is set up, it's a patriarch. So that puts a minority group, the uh, the minority black group, at a disadvantage. And this is the present situation of the Negro. Remember, this was 63. Ours is a society which presumes male leadership <coughs> in private and public affairs. The arrangement of society facilitates such leadership and reward it. The arrangement of society facilitates such leadership and reward it. So I'm going to pause. So whom has been carrying the black community on their back? According to this report, it's been black women. And it has not worked out well. And I find it interesting because when you, I have personally tried to have these conversations with black men. And I literally state it is not working well. We need male leadership to step up and take those roles. It's a patriarch society. We need black male leadership in a patriarch society. And the response that I get most of the time, not all of the time, because there are some black men, and I'm going to say a small amount of black men, they get it, they understand it. Most black men respond with what black women are not doing well and how they need to change and step it up. But yet, this data says black women have been carrying the community on their back. It has been a matriarchal arrangement. since the 1940s. And they this this particular Mohenhan report is only tracking from the 1940s to 1963. So in other words, if this is a patriarch society, which it is, 
if you have a group that puts the responsibility on the opposite, and in this case would be a matriarch society, why wouldn't that group be at the bottom? Ours is a society which presumes male leadership in private and public affairs. The arrangement of society facilitates such leadership and reward it. A subculture such as that of the Negro American in which this is not the pattern is placed at a distinct disadvantage. Let's continue. Here, an earlier word of caution should be repeated. There is much evidence that a considerable number of Negro families have managed to break out of the tan uh, a tangle of pathology and to establish themselves as stable, effective units living accordingly to patterns of American society in general. E. Franklin Frazier has suggested that the middle-class Negro American family is, if anything, more patriarchal and protective of its children than the general run of such families. Given equal opportunities, the children of these families will perform as well or better than their white peers. They need no help from anyone and ask none. Hmm. So, in other words, when you have healthy Black families, the children are able to compete as well as the men are able to compete. They are on equal footing to the white peers. Now, of course, that's not factoring in the disadvantages of a white supremacy system, okay? But that even shows you how more resilient the black family is when you have a healthy black family, okay? And in this case, they're equating that to a patriarch or both parents establishing a healthy family unit. Let's continue. While this phenomenon is not easily measured, one index is that the middle-class Negro have even fewer children than middle-class whites, indicating a desire to conserve the advances they have made and to ensure that their children do as well or better. Okay, so if you want to understand what they are speaking on, you would have to go back to part two. We go into uh, the details of um, the number of children equating to um, salary. Okay, and if you want to understand what they are talking about in regards to the patriarch 
uh, it being of more benefit to be ran the patriarch way, you need to go back to the first episode when they are giving the statistics of um, men being involved with the family and supporting the family financial, financially. Okay, that is what they're talking about when they are talking about patriarch. Let's be clear. When they are speaking of patriarch, they are talking about fathers financially supporting their family. Fathers being in the household. Not the opposite, which these stats show, where fathers are not only not in the household, they are not financially supporting their children, which by default creates a matriarch. Okay, so I want us to be clear. All right. So let's uh, move on. Okay. While this phenomenon is not easily measured, one index is that middle-class Negroes have even fewer children. Um, I probably re I read this before, I'm sorry. Than middle-class whites indicating a desire to conserve the advances they have made and to ensure their children do as well or better. Negro women who marry early to uneducated laborers have more children than white women in the same situation. Negro women who marry at the common age for the middle class to educated men doing technical or professional work have only four-fifths as many children as their white counterparts. Okay. Now, the reason they are bringing this up, because again, in part two, they gave you the statistics on the more children you have, the lower the income was. So, meaning people with the most children were at those poverty levels. Okay. Let's keep it going. It might be estimated that as much as half of the Negro community falls into the middle class. However, the remaining half is in desperate and deteriorating circumstances. Moreover, because of housing segregation, it is immensely difficult for the stable half to escape from the cultural influence of the unstable ones. Whoa! I didn't expect that, child. Do you all understand what they're saying here? Damn. This is difficult.
So in other words, because... <clears throat> Ooh, sorry. Because um, black folk were mixed together, so meaning uh, the middle class black folks and the lower wage black folks were mixed together because of housing discrimination. It, it created inner cultural rifts. So it may it it is immensely difficult for the stable half to escape from the cultural influences of the unstable ones. So in other words, whew, it would make sense why um, middle class blacks started fleeing up out of the hood. This is deep. This is really, really deep. And it would also make sense why some of the same um, middle black class neighborhoods from the 60s went into deep decline, okay? And um, this hit hard for me uh, based on my family circumstances where my parents were uh, first generation um, who were born in up north from the south, both parents, but they had to go into the housing projects, one of the worst housing projects in Chicago. Um, but <clears throat> they were able to make it out of the projects. And, uh, you know, that's how my parents actually met in the projects. And they were able to move to the suburbs, a south suburb. And back then, that suburb was literally black middle class. Newly built homes, black middle class. And if you were to look at that suburb today, it looks like a third world country. This hits hard. The children of middle-class Negroes often as not much grow up in or next to the slums and experience almost unknown to white middle-class children. They are therefore constantly exposed to the pathology of the disturbed group and constantly um, ooh, doo, 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 in danger of being drawn into it. 
It is for this reason that the proportion, the, the propositions put forth in this study may be thought of as having more or less general applications. Okay, so let's see what this uh, poll. Okay, so I apologize, y'all. Child, I had to get myself together. Because that, that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Now I get it. I get it. Right, so this particular chart is uh, children born per woman aged 35 to 44, wives of uneducated laborers who married young compared with wives of uneducated professional workers who married after 21, white and non-white, 1960. Uh, wives marry at the age of 14 to 21 to husbands who are laborers and did not go to high school. As you can see, 3.8% uh, for whites, for blacks, 4.7%. Wives who married at 22, <coughs> excuse me, at 22 or over to husbands who are professional or technical workers and have completed one or more year of college. 2.4% for white, 1.9% for black. That is really, really interesting. Because my parents actually fit in that category, in, in this um, 22 or over. Um, wow, this, this, whoo, this hits home. Interesting. In a word, most Negro youth are in danger of being caught up and the tangle of pathology that affects their world, and probably a majority are so entrapped. Many of those who escape do so for one generation only. Mm -mm -mm. As things now are, their children may have to run the gauntlet all over again. Oh, I have to pause. Um, this is interesting. Um, as I was explaining, just within my own family, um, when my parents moved into the black suburbs, all black suburbs, <clears throat> they essentially had to move us out of there. And um, the exact reason why my mom said, because I didn't see where you all were going to be able to benefit by completing high school, going to college, etc. Um, and that's just not what I wanted for you all. So, um, this is, this is, this is deep. 
Wow. Many of those who escape do so for one generation only. As things now are, their children may have to run the gauntlet all over again. So in other words, if my parents would have stayed in that suburb, those are the exact conditions that we would have grew up in. That is not the least vicious aspect of the world that white Americans has made for the Negro. Obviously, not every instance of social pathology afflicting the Negro community can be traced to the weakness of the family structure. If, for example, organized crime in the Negro community were not largely controlled by whites, there would be more capital accumulation among Negroes and therefore probably more Negro business enterprises. If it were not for the hostility and fear many whites exhibit towards Negroes, they would in turn, they in turn would be less afflicted by hostility and fear and so on. There is no one Negro community. There is no one Negro problem. There is no one solution. Nonetheless, at the center, at the center of tangible, uh, tan, tangle pathology is the weakness of the family structure. All right, so I'm just going to read that again. And I and I apologize, y'all. This is like being slapped in the face with a brick. I, um, I didn't expect this, and I purposely don't read ahead. <sighs> wow, I, I, I wasn't expecting that because I can literally say my family lived this plight that they are speaking on. Okay, so I do want to read this sentence. Nonetheless, at the center of the tangle of pathology is the weakness of the family structure. Once or twice removed, it will be found to be the principal source of most of the apparent and inadequate or antisocial behavior that did not establish but now serves to perpetuate the cycle of poverty and deprivation. It was by destroying the Negro family under slavery that white America broke the will of the Negro people. The part that really, really gets me is the part about the wheel of the people being broken. But I'll, 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 I'll continue on. Although that wheel has reasserted itself in our time, it is a resurgence doomed to frustration unless the viability of the Negro family is restored. Now, again, I have personally had this conversation time and time again 
with black people. And I am consistent in what I say. I always say that the root issue, of course, is self. Because you have to change your consciousness. And in this case, they're saying pathology. And then you have to build strong, healthy families. Then you can control your neighborhoods. Then you can build a nation. I have been consistent with that message for years. And it is like talking to a brick wall. People immediately jump to the nation. People immediately jump to the nation. And skip all past family. And self. Let's continue. Matriarchy. A fundamental fact of Negro American family life is the often reverse role of husband and wife. Remember, this is 1940 through 1963. Robert O. Blood Jr. and Donald M. Wolf, in a study of Detroit families, Note that Negro husbands have unusually low power. And while this is characteristic of all low-income families, the pattern pervades the Negro social structure. The cumulative result of discrimination in jobs, the segregated housing, and the poor schooling of Negro men. Now, if you go to part two of this study, they um, part two of this series that I did on this study, you'll see that um, they talked about when a man doesn't have power in the family, or meaning basically the man is not being the head or a head of household in the family. Uh, the root issue is economics. And that was even in the white families also. But it's more prevalent in the black family because of economics. Okay. And 44% of the Negro family studied, the wife was dominant as against 20% of white wives. Okay, so remember when we're talking dominance, that dominance is based on what? Economics. Okay, if you want the specifics, go back to episode two. Whereas the majority of white families are equalitarians, the largest percent of Negro families are dominated by the wife. Now, again, 
Let's be clear. Why are in the Negro slash black families are dominated by the wife? It's because of economics. The matriarchal pattern of so many Negro families reinforces itself over the generations. This process begins with education. Although the gap appears to be closing at the moment, for a, a long while, Negro females were better educated than Negro men and thus remain true today for the Negro population as a whole. Pause. How did they say you narrow the gap? Through education. Who was getting the most education? Now remember, this is 63. The Negro women. <clears throat> who's getting... Who's the most educated in the U.S. The Negro women. So that would mean this gap still has not been closed today. Let's continue. Educational attainment of the civilian non-institutional population 18 years of age and over March 1964. Uh, white males, 12.1. Females, 12.1. Non-white uh, or black. Black. Um, male, 9.2. Women, 10. Okay, now today this gap has widened and we're, we're going to do a follow-up on uh, what's going on today. Uh, but just for now, we'll, we'll leave it at that. The difference in educational attainment between black men and women in the labor force is even greater. Men lag 1.1 years behind women. The disparity in educational attainment of male and female youth aged 16 to 21 who were out of school in February 1963 is striking. Among the black males, 66.3% were not high school graduates compared with 55% of the females. A, a, a similar difference existed at the college level with 4.5% of the males having completed one to three years of college compared with 7.3% of females. The poorer performance of the men, I hate to say male and female. Okay, so the poorer performance of the men in school exists from the very beginning and the magnitude of the difference was documented by the 1960 census in statistics on the number of children who have fallen one, oh, where we are, fallen one, 
Okay. Who have fallen one, sorry. One, sorry, one or more grades below the typical grade for children of the same age. The boys have more frequently fallen behind at every age level. White boys also lag behind white girls, but at a of a dif difference of one to six percentage points. Percent of non-white youth enrolled in school who are one or more grades below mode for age by sex 1950. Okay, so age seven to nine, men 7.8%, uh, women 5.8%. Child, men, these numbers ain't looking good for y'all players, whether you're black or white. These educational um, numbers ain't looking good here, poppies. 10 to 13 years old, 25 men, 17 women. Now, these are, um, oh, sorry, this, this is black. I apologize. I apologize. This is black. This is black. I apologize. That's not good. That is not good. That non-white always throws me off. This is for black folks. That's not good. 14 and 15-year-olds, uh, 35 men uh, to women, 24, 16, and 17, 39 to 27, 18 and 19-year-olds, 57 to 46. Ah, shoot. Yeah. Because if you look back over at this number of who was graduating uh, with years complete, if you look at the white numbers, they were even. So they were graduating high school. Um, but black women beat black men. So black men, for the most part, were only getting to freshman year and black women were only getting to sophomore year. But if you look at it within the uh, black population who was falling behind going through school, you see that black men were lagging behind compared to black women, which would make sense if they were lagging behind, why they were uh, not finishing school as well. In 1960, uh, and I do want to note, sorry, I do want to note that they pointed out in the stats because they uh, compared in the stats people um, who had a father in the home were more likely to finish school. Okay, so I did want to make sure we keep that in mind as well. Let's continue. In 1960, 39% of all white persons 25 years of age and over who had completed four or more years of college were women. 
You mean to tip child black women? Sisters. Sisters. I'm getting ready to read this. Child, this report. In 1960, 39% of all white persons 25 years of age and over who had completed four or more years of college were women. 53% of non-whites who had attained this level were women. So 39% of the white population were completing college, but 53% of black women completed college. So when I made the statement that black women get the most degrees today, you mean to tell me that was the case back then? I'm blown away, y'all. I am straight blown away. So you mean to tell me that even back then with black women being under the same conditions as black men, we're getting more degrees and then getting more degrees than the white folks that were under better conditions? However, the gap is closing. By 1963, there were slightly more Negro men in college than women. Among whites, there were almost twice as many men as women enrolled. Okay? But now we know today that's, that's still not the case. Black women still lead in getting those degrees. Black women are the fastest group who are... Um, growing small businesses and starting small businesses. Hence is why there um, was that uh, financial company Goldman Sachs is setting aside billions to invest in black women, black entrepreneurs. Do you all understand why they were doing that? Why they would do that? If black women have been leading getting degrees since the 60s under the conditions that they've had to face while leading single households, why wouldn't they make that investment? There is much evidence that Negro women are better students than their male counterparts. 
Daniel Thompson of Dillard University in a private communication on January 9th, 1965 writes, as low as the aspiration level among lower class Negro girls, it is considerably higher than among the boys. For example, I have examined the honor rolls in Negro high schools for about 10 years. As a rule, from 75 to 90% of all Negro honor students are girls. Child. For enrollment of civilian non-institutional population in college by sex in 1963, um, okay, October 63, so blacks, men, 2,884, number of enrolled, 149, percentage of youth, youth 5.2, female, uh, or women, Black women, 3,000 and something, number enrolled, 137, so that's 4.1. White males, 21,000. Um, oh, this is the population. This is the number of enrolled, okay? Um, so the white males, 2,500. Uh, so 12%, uh, the population, white women, 20,000, number enrolled, 1,400, uh, 7%. Okay, so I guess above, okay, so based on these numbers, the white folks that were in college definitely blows away the black people in college. And you can see that even black men were slightly more were enrolled in college than black women. But out of the group, this group right here, 39%, so out of the white group, although they had the largest number of folks enrolled in college, they had a completion rate of 39%. But out of the entire group, the completion of black women were 53%. Whoa. Okay. Let's, let's just keep going. Dr. Thompson reports that 70% of all applications for the National Achievement Scholarship Program financed by the Ford Foundation for Outstanding Negro High School graduates are girls. Despite special efforts by high school principals to submit the names of boys. Well, sorry, y'all. I know some people are going to say, well, they were targeting the black boys. Okay, but if most of the honor roll students between black girls and black boys were black girls, uh, logically it would only make sense for 
the scholarship program to give the scholarships to black girls. And not to mention, wouldn't the black girls be able to complete college over the black boys? And didn't the black girls prove that by even beating the white counterparts with their 53% completion over the 39% completion? Okay, the finalists for this new program for outstanding Negro students were recently announced. Based on an inspection of the names, only about 43% of all the 639 finalists were male. However, in the regular National Merit Scholarship programs, males received 67%. Whoa. Of the 1964 scholarship award. Okay, so they gave them more on the National Merit Scholarship Program. Now, take a sip of this water. Let me tell you something. Ford, they're a business. Businesses look at return on investment. So that tells me Ford looked at the numbers and said the black girls are a better investment. So we're going to award the scholarships to them. This National Merit Scholarship, although the numbers for the black uh, boys were lower, they gave them a higher percent of scholarships, I am assuming, to give black boys an opportunity to catch up. But who ultimately wind up being the better investment? It's the black girls. And when I'm saying better investment, I'm talking from the standpoint of completing the college program. So hence, back to my original point, with Goldman Sachs' recent announcement of investing billions in Black women, they're not doing it out of spite. They're not doing it just to be doing it. They are doing it because they're saying, who am, who's going to give a return on investment? Let's continue. Okay, and I also want to keep in mind, when we're going over this stuff, you go back to part two on the reason why black boys were not finishing school, it was directly linked to a missing father in the household. Inevitably, these disparities have carried over to the area of employment and income. In one out of four Negro families where the husband is present is an earner and someone else in the family works, 
The husband is not the principal earner. The comparable figure for whites is 18%. Wow. More important, it is clear that the Negro uh, women have established a strong position for themselves in white collar and professional employment, precisely the areas of economy which are growing more rapidly and to which the highest prestige is accorded. That should make more sense if they're getting or they got most degrees. Why wouldn't they get the white collar professions, which would go with a higher earnings? Is that not the trend we see today? Why are we not understanding in the black community as a collective why black women are higher white-collar professionals. Instead of using the narrative that someone gave them something. Because just like it was back in the 60s, those black girls had to hit the books. They had to stay focused. That still rings true today. Let's continue. The President's Committee on Equal Employment Opportunity, making a preliminary report on employment in 1964 of over 16,000 companies with nearly 5 million employees, revealed this pattern with dramatic emphasis. In this workforce, Negro males outnumber Negro females by a ratio of four to one. Yet, Negro males represent only 1.2% of all males in white collar occupations, while Negro females represent 3.1% of the total female white collar workforce. This shouldn't be hard to believe. So although there were more black men working, it was more black women in those white collar jobs. Remember, this was back in 63. Family, I had no idea that these statistics we're going to be like this. I promise you I didn't. Negro males. Oh, crap. What the hell? <laughs> How the hell? Uh, sorry. Dog on it. Now I'm frustrated. Where was I at? Uh, okay. Where was I at? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, sorry. I don't know how I jumped back up here. My mouse hit something. Bear with me. B. 
There we go. Oh, child. I did not expect this, family. I did not expect this. Negro males represent 1.1% of all male professionals where Negro females represent roughly 6% of all female professionals. I didn't expect this. Did not expect this family at all. I did not realize this was going on in the 60s. So where as a collective in the black community, this narrative is coming from that white men are giving black women something. Where's this narrative coming from when this report from the 60s, just as black women today are telling black men, white men are not giving us white collar jobs. That's myself included. We are qualified to do the white collar jobs. This was back in 63. Again, in technical occupations, Negro males represent 2.1% of all male technicians, while Negro Females represent roughly 10% of all female technicians. It would appear, therefore, that there are proportionately four times as many Negro females in significant collar job, white collar jobs than Negro males. Now, I don't know if they mean technical or technicians. They're talking about technical jobs. Or maybe they're just saying technicians and lumping all of those jobs together. I find this interesting. Because I can base just today... on technology jobs when you look at the black collective it's mostly black women this is very very interesting I had no idea so does it make sense when they did the um the program regarding um about the black women who were in the NASA program who were the mathematicians giving them the formulas and um you know the one part that I was just jumping for joy when they showed the sisters that were able to learn the IBM programming language they were the first in the country to learn that. I'm like, go head on, sisters. 
but I did not realize that that was heavy across the board in white-collar jobs. I just thought that was an anomaly. Let's continue. Although it is evident that office and clerical jobs account for approximately 50% of all Negro female white collar, okay, because remember in that um, hidden colors, that's the name of um, hidden figures, I apologize, hidden figures, that's the name of the movie. Because remember, those Negro women in that movie, they had them in clerical jobs. But them black women had degrees in mathematics and science, baby. Although it's evident that the office and clerical jobs account for approximately 50% of all Negro female white collar workers, it is significant. It is significant that six out of every 100 Negro women are in professional jobs. So that also means, family, that those same black women who are graduating from college, who had the background in mathematics and science, <coughs> were put in clerical jobs as what most women were back in those days. So put in clerical jobs with white women they were more educated than the white women. So hence what makes sense when the Hidden Figures movie was made, who did they go to for the math uh, to calculate and verify those formulas and to learn that computer program language? Did they go to the white women? No. They couldn't because the white women didn't have the skill set. Child, this, this is deep. This is substantially similar to the rate of all females in such jobs. Yep. Six out of every hundred Negro women are in professional family. <laughs> 